fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, I am thrilled to welcome back Elliot Chris, the Director of Production and Analytics over at the Quant Edge for the second time. We had him on last year and it was one of our most popular, well-received pods. Everybody seemed to love it. The Wolfpack was clamoring to get him back. So Chris, I'm so happy, Elliot, you were able to join us again. Thanks so much, man. Of course, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get into all the fantasy nuggets, uh, we want to just kind of get a quick intro if there's any new listeners and whatnot who didn't hear you last year. What's kind of your fantasy story? When and how did you get involved in the industry? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing fantasy for 15 years, gambling for 11 and playing DFS for seven or eight. Don't quote me on the exact DFS time. I don't remember the exact year I started. But, uh, you know, I've always been big on it in my own end about three and a half, four years ago. Got started with PFF. And then people kind of just started paying attention to what I was doing. And mm-hmm. from there, you know, whether it was draft stuff or Bleacher Report or stuff for Power Hour and 4 for 4, just continue to build my brand. And then I actually got found for this startup company, the Quant Edge, through it with a headhunter and was able to get my opportunity that way. So, you know, Absolutely. I just kind of put my head down, kept grinding, kept putting out content and all that stuff. And people started paying attention and, and really built organically through social media and mm-hmm. built the following and all that stuff. I'd love to hear as a guy trying to grind it up and make it up myself. I'd, I'd love to hear the inspiration of, of your story. I'm sure plenty of our listeners do as well. Uh, in terms of being a, a wolf, we only invite kind of the brightest, boldest minds. And I love your content. What do you think? If it's a, a stat, an approach, or what it might be, how do you gain your fantasy edge? And what kind of separates you from the pack? I like to think outside the box. I mean, I think a lot of TQE new tools that we've used have or we've created are, are really a big part of my process, you know, whether it's heat mm-hmm. maps and trying to find vulnerabilities and in, in defenses or where certain players are getting all their targets and how that might translate week, week to week. And, you know, wide receiver cornerback matchups and understanding how guys do against zone versus man coverage and how defenses are playing that, how to adjust to injuries, all that stuff. Uh, obviously player projections and all that that kind of stuff. And one of the things I, I'm pretty proud of is uh, game theory, ability to pivot, you know, work on understanding ownership and really trying to make sure that you're not just always chasing chalk and the most obvious thing. You're trying to think outside the box and, you know, tell yourself a story and, and build from there. And when you tell yourself accurate stories, it really helps your ability to, to kind of yeah. be different and be successful. It is an awesome way to think about it, too. I don't think enough people take that kind of narrative approach, like what is the game flow going to be? What do we see these players doing? And I've noticed that in your content and when you guys write your matchups and whatnot, you really do take that game narrative approach. And I really like that because I don't think many people do. Uh, And I think that's cool that you pointed that out. Um, In terms of your rankings now, let's dig into some specific players uh, who we both agree on. These next two segments, the first is going to be our agrees, where we have some guys where we're higher than the ECR, the expert consensus ranking, um, that we both share together then we'll move on to some players we might have a little bit of a disagreement on but to start with the agrees chris carson we both uh, tend to love a little bit more than the experts what do you got going on for this guy this year yeah i mean unfortunately i think people are starting to catch up on this one but chris carson was going to get the lead back role again they want to feature him more in the passing game this year 
He's a guy that touched the ball over 20 times a game. He's going to be one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. He's game script independent if they start throwing on the ball, too. And he was going one round earlier than Rashad Penny, who was going to see 35% of the touches instead of 65. It just didn't mm-hmm. make sense. Yeah. You know, I, last year I wasn't as big on Carson because, you know, I, I really believed in the first-round running back, and that's what they wanted to do. But Carson just earned that role over and over again every single week, and mm-hmm. they've said they're going to give it to him again. And for whatever reason, people just don't seem to want to buy it. I don't get it either. I mean, he looked very solid in his action last year. It's 33.8 rush attempts per game last year, and he's in line for the heaviest slice of that 160 rushing yards, all that ground pie we like to call it over here. He's going to get the biggest slice. They're saying 65-35, as you pointed out. And I really like what you mentioned there, the uptick in receiving, the game script ploof. That that used to be Mike Davis, who's now gone. Uh, So you got that huge ground pie. You remove the 170-so touches he had, most importantly, those 42 targets. Uh, I, I love everything about him except the hype coming out now because I was getting him in like round five just a few weeks ago and now you're starting to see it creep up a little bit but even if he you know I have him I think 26 or so like right on that second third border I don't see why people don't think of him as that kind of fringe RB1 if he's going to be a a three down horse so I'm with you I I just don't hope his value rises too much come draft season but that disparity just didn't make any sense to me He's such a good target for zero RB people, too, as mm. you're kind of your, your RB1 in the fifth round because he builds a really solid floor for you while you chase higher upside guys that are maybe more pass catchers and need an injury, and he can produce like a round three guy. Absolutely. I'm fully with you there. Uh, I think it was the RB5, I want to say, during He came back from injury last year and then had that beastly like last six or seven weeks and was just up there with you know the Camaras and the, the Christian McCaffreys. So I don't see any reason why we would expect him to fall off, especially with a, a big target share removed in Mike Davis. Another guy in line for a huge target share that doesn't seem to be getting the respect he deserves is Julian Edelman. We're also both much higher on this guy. What do you love about Edelman entering 2019? And what don't you love? I mean, I think the only concern is that, what, he broke his thumb, but he's supposed to have no issues coming back week one. And quite frankly, Edelman's always a guy that struggles with drops anyway. So it's not it's not a huge deal to me. We're talking about the number one receiver, hands down, not close. No competition, no Gronk, <laughs> you know, no Josh Gordon. Yeah. We're talking about Jacoby Myers and, and Harry and Mo Harris on the outside. I mean, this – this offense is going to run through Julian Edelman. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a team that's going to be top five in points and top five in plays per game. They, that's just what they do every single year. And it's all going to go through Julian Edelman. He's going to have an incredible floor and an incredible ceiling. And if we look at you know, his, his red zone target share, jumps about 10% with Gronk off the field last year. So mm-hmm. uh, just you're talking about a guy that's going to see 10-plus car- uh, targets a game on the top five offenses in the NFL. And he continues to fall in the fourth or I've even seen him go in the fifth round occasionally. It's just like it's you know, that you talk about weekly floors and combined with ceiling. I mean, in a PBR format, you're looking at ten points a week with thirty point upside. Absolutely. Well, I'm fully with you. No, I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. As you lay it out, it's like it's so obvious. Why is he falling this far? I mean, that engine he was in the playoffs, I could totally see that carrying over into a full season. I think it was around 11 targets a game, 130 receiving yards a game, that Super Bowl MVP performance. I don't see anything in his way, really, other than injuries and health uh, from keeping him to do that for a full season. And you mentioned how he has that higher red zone share with Gronk out. Uh, there's some great stats. Uh, a guy, Scott Bear 
Barrett, I'm sure you know Scott, uh, wrote a fantastic article, 96 Stats. We actually had him on yesterday. He was our, our last wolf before you. Um, and he talked about how Edelman averaged uh, eight over 18 fantasy points per game when Gronk is out of the lineup. And that would have been the wide receiver nine if that carried out through a full season. So uh, to me, it's it's just so obvious that this is the only guy Brady truly can rely on that he, other than, you know, James White, of course, too. He has that reliable weapon. But I mean, Nikhil Harry looks promising at times, but he can't get healthy right now. Jacoby Myers is getting some buzz, but truly, if, if Gordon doesn't show up, it, who is there other than Edelman and James White to rely on? So I'm with you there. Yeah, we're, we're legitimately talking about a guy on a top five offense, top five pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His biggest like, competition what, for targets is the third down running back. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what what more do you need from, and from the best I, quarterback to ever play the game, right? Like, I just, I, I, it just, doesn't make sense. Would you take him? A question on that one then is like, where I have trouble sliding him is, is like the Amari Cooper and, and the Vikings receivers range. Like, where does he kind of stack up to, to those guys for you? I think he's every bit in that tier. I just don't have to take him above those guys. You know, that's, right. that's why don't I don't. Have, so, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great for me when I can get, like, you know, um, start two wide receivers. Let's say I'd go, like, I get the turn, right? And I do Julio Jones. Odell Beckham, and then I was getting on the way back. This obviously isn't the same, but, you know, carry on Johnson. Now it's like a Devontae Freeman and Julian Edelman. Yeah, ridiculous. And, and I'm like, this this feels wrong. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I'm just stealing from teams. This isn't fair. I'm just going to destroy them all year. No, I'm with you, man. It did. It, it's just unbelievable, the value there. Uh, and, and conversely, a guy we're actually lower on this year. So those are two guys we're higher on in Carson and Edelman. But someone we're both a little bit down on is Kenny Galladay as compared to the rest of the experts. What has you a little lower on him this year? Well, I mean, I can just get the same role four or five rounds later in Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when they were both healthy, they, they, they essentially saw the same exact role in the offense. Yeah. Um, you know, people are very high on Kenny Galladay because of how much of the offense he had at the end of the year, but Marvin Jones wasn't there. TJ Hawkinson can also take some of that red zone stuff away. They said he's been the best red zone guy in camp. Uh, yep. They're also going to be an incredibly slow-paced offense. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that's not something I tend to take away. And You could make an argument that Marvin Jones could finish as the wide receiver one pretty easily. And all the other guys in that range aren't having someone on the same team with the same role go four or five rounds later. Absolutely. And uh, Daryl Bevel, as you mentioned, the pace, his offense has historically moved really slow and kind of funneled through the running back. Uh, granted, he had you know Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch, some Hall of Fame guys to build upon, but that's his, his calling card. In fact, I, I dug in a little bit. He's only had three 1,000-yard receivers in 12 years of calling plays. So, I mean, none of that stacks up well, especially as you mentioned. Is he even the true number one? We haven't seen him and Jones. And does he separate? When Jones was on the field, he had a much better red zone target share seem to have a better chemistry using that body control and whatnot with Matthew Stafford that's the one thing Bevel's done well you saw like Doug Baldwin have 14 touchdown seasons and things like that he uses his receivers pretty creatively in the red zone but that could be Marvin Jones there's no reason it couldn't be so I'm with you I I like the value I'm seeing on Marvin a lot more than where I see Kenny Galladay going for sure yeah it's one of those situations where it's not the player I dislike it's just the cost that's the issue yeah you know and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that fantasy players make is they just love a player and no matter where he goes they just want more and more and more of them mm-hmm. and like yeah at a certain point like Kenny Galladay's priced at a ceiling yeah and I don't like buying at that because there's very little room for error Absolutely. and football there's a you know there's a lot of air you know yeah. if you get 60 percent of things right you're you're as good as anyone in the world and you mm-hmm. you need to understand that so when there's Variance built into his 
to his price, that makes him more attractive to me. And with Kenny Galladay, I really think the the variance is all on the downside, and he's priced all upside. Absolutely. And, and speaking of uh, variance, there's a guy uh, that we want to talk about. We're going to get into the disagrees now. And there's someone that has enormous variance in my mind. And originally, I was on the train. I had him even in like my first round fringe right there. And that's Damian Williams of the Chiefs. But this summer just has not been kind to him uh, between some injuries, between opening the door to a committee situation. But you're not buying a lot of that, I imagine, because you told me you're still pretty high on him. What do you... What do you like about Damian Williams? Are you not worried about some of those negative things coming out of camp so far? Yeah, I mean, he's back in camp. He's back running with the ones and all offseason. And they gave him a new contract all offseason. Andy Reid said he's our guy. He's earned that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and the biggest competition is the sixth-round rookie in Darwin Thompson. And, yes, he looked good. And I think he can be involved in the pass game. And Carlos Hyde. Mm-hmm. And Carlos Hyde on the last three teams he's been on has been the worst running back efficiency-wise <laughs> of anybody. Yeah. And it's not even close. Uh, Carlos Hyde was a great running back at Ohio State. He was a high draft pick, but all of his numbers have been volume numbers. They've never been efficiency numbers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially what I'm buying is forget Damian Williams for a second. I'm buying that in the third round, 70% of the snaps for the Chiefs' offense and the main pass catching back. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm buying. Yep. Because that's a league winning play right there. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if I guaranteed you right now, Damian Williams got 70% of snaps. Yep. He's in that top six conversation. Absolutely. Like, top three, like even, guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he plays all 16 games, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm swinging for the fences with him in the third round mm-hmm. because I think he's got that kind of upside. Uh, and, like, yes, there's, there's legit risk with him. Yeah. But if, if, he do, if he hits anywhere close to 70% of the snaps and he plays the majority of the game, and we saw, I mean, he's got 4 4 speed and he, he was a dynamic player for them in the playoffs out of the backfield and all that stuff. He's going to have some huge games. Absolutely. Like massive. Yeah, if he locks and that down, man, yeah. No doubt about it because even last year, even on I think about 60% of the snaps, when he was that starter, it was like 22 and a half or so points. Only Gurley had more points per game as a starter than him. So if, if that is locked up, I'm with you. Like there's no doubt in my mind. I'd, third round would be a steal for him. I had him in my first round fringe because I thought it was locked up. He had that 70%. I am a little bit nervous about those committee talks. I'm a little bit nervous about how well Darwin Thompson has showed. When he goes right around the guy we you know we just talked about and I'm interested to hear who you'd rather have uh, Chris Carson I guess that's more so like the guys going around him I don't think they have quite the ceiling but the floor is a, a little bit higher especially with a guy like Carson if you were faced with both those two right there in round three which where would you lean I would go Damian Williams for mm-hmm. sure in part because a lot of my Carson exposure is in the fifth round and I've already gotten a ton so I guess that's kind of cheating yeah uh, but yeah the the, the, the and that goes with the don't just continue to chase some guy up, up and up uh, as his cost goes up. But that Carson's probably deserves to be in the third round. Yeah. I think that Williams kind of deserves to be in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a ceiling guy. But in general, if you don't like Damian Williams, you need to be buying Carlos Hyde or you need to be buying Darwin Thompson. Yeah, and like, I, yeah, I'm with you. And something I even often do is even if I am a little bit sketchy on Damian Williams, and I am much more than, than I have been. He dropped about 20 or so spots this summer. But if I end up with him, I often will end up with Hyde and Thompson and just kind of buying that backfield because you pointed out, I mean, it is that opportunity, that 60% snaps. And Andy Reid's consistently ridden a workhorse. So that's what's like, where is this committee talk coming out? If he's always handed his lead guy 20 or so touches a game. So it, it is a great potential buy. 
it's my only case against him is I just like a lot of the guys that that go near him. What about those like third round receivers such as the the Diggs's and whatnot? Would you take Williams over those guys? I would because the receiver pool is so much deeper. Yeah. And I, there's there's so many good receivers as you continue. Like in the eighth round, you're still feeling good about a lot of those guys. When you look at the running backs, you're starting to be like, oh, man, there's a, there's a lot more inherent risk here mm-hmm. in terms of a role. And I need injuries and I need the right injury and all that stuff. So um, I think in season-long leagues, that's a great point, by the way, that you know if you draft Damian Williams in the third, if you can get Carlos Hyde in the 11th and Darwin Thompson in the last round, like you can drop it drop one of these guys or whatever if they mm-hmm. get cut it doesn't it doesn't even matter you're just locking in whoever the chief's main back is and even if it becomes a split carlos hyde or darwin thompson in a 50 50 split is insane value at where they're going absolutely not so. yeah. yeah i think you're you're starting to turn me a little bit the other way because and it's easy for me when i've loved the guy almost all off season and that's just been some of these reports and there was a report after we had chosen damian williams that like, came out yesterday from the athletic where it was like the only sure thing on this roster is damian williams is the starter and carlos hyde might get cut so it's like obviously some of those things if hyde gets cut the number you know, of times yeah. we've talked about carlos hyde as rb1 and carlos hyde is on the <laughs> roster bubble and like People are both saying it like it's a sure thing in the span of 24 hours. It's amazing. <laughs> right. And that's kind of got me a little bit more leaning back to the Williams side when I hear some of these reports. So I could be sold. That one you, you could sell me on definitely a little bit more, I think, than the next guy we have. And that's Alan Robinson, who you're higher on. I've never really been a big Robinson guy. Obviously, he had that huge year back in Jacksonville. But it seems like we've always just been kind of chasing it as an industry to try to get that magic back. And I don't know if it happens with the Bears, but... You th- you seem to be a little bit higher than me on him. What do you like about Robinson? I'm not necessarily that much higher. You know, we we went over a bunch of guys that we disagreed with, and I think one of the problems with this segment is that we were very similar <laughs> on a lot of players. I know, great minds um, think alike, man. That, that was we had like a list of like 30 players. It was like uh, maybe these two <laughs> is the most disagreement. So I'm with but you there. Rob- yeah. Robinson's falling a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's going one for the the Bears. He is a second year back off a of torn ACL. We saw him get a lot stronger at the end. Obviously, the playoff game is the last thing in people's mind yeah. where he absolutely dominated. I don't want to do recency bias and just say that's going to happen. I think Trubisky is better than people say when you know Twitter likes to say that Mr. Trubisky is not an NFL quarterback. I think that's going a bit far. Mm-hmm. Um, Nagy will spread the ball around. I think he's probably more of a best ball guy for me than a season long guy. But I do ultimately think that he's going to see a 22% target share in that offense. He's got a shot at a thousand yards. He's probably he's probably the best red zone weapon, oh, especially with Anthony Miller consistently banged up. Mm-hmm. This guy hasn't been healthy since he got in the NFL. Um, he's really going to be competing for targets with Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, who's not healthy, Javon Wims, Burton, who's not healthy, Shaheen, who's not healthy. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of big question marks on that Bears offense outside the running backs. Um, as is and ultimately i just think he's going to be the number one wide receiver he's one of the cheaper number one wide receivers we can get um and i think he's got a a ton of ability downfield and in the red zone so i I think he's going to have some spike weeks but in season long i'd be be more nervous about him having to decide what week i actually have to play him yeah exactly that's the the tricky part because the bears have that great defense and when the game script becomes just you know let's pound that rock out i have a lot of faith in david montgomery to do a lot of damage this year i know we both are pretty high on that guy uh, and I see a lot of more games just kind of falling into that trap, and they do spread the ball out so well. I think the the best case there is that he is healthy. Uh, he's had a full off season and not rehab, and a lot of reports are saying he's looked like he's a, a different.
different receiver because of that. So I've been reading those and I, I enjoy hearing about those. And then the health of the other receivers, conversely, as the opposite, where Miller's banged up again and Burton's banged up. So as much as they like to spread it out, maybe they won't even be able to. But I just look at last year, you know, 94 targets as compared to 93 for Taylor Gabriel. If you can't create you know, more than a one target gap. And he did miss a couple games. So I'm sure the targets per game is a, a little bit greater, but still that's a, I mean, that's Taylor Gabriel. Like you can't distance yourself from him in this type of offense. And that's the, the Nagy thing. Some weeks, Nagy himself has said it, that some weeks it's going to be a Gabriel week. And, it, and we saw that he'd have, you know, two touchdowns and a hundred yards and Robinson had nothing. And then another week it'd be Robinson. I, you, you, uh, you laid out the whole point that I had kind of against him too. He's a great basketball guy. He's going to blow up, but which week is you, you can you truly rely on him and when you buy him right now you're getting him around you know the Christian Kirks or guys I could see just developing in a true consistent steady wide receiver ones Robbie Anderson's Mike Williams he kind of goes around that tier and I could see those guys having a little more value I think I think I I, I much prefer Robbie Anderson over him mm-hmm. My, Christian Kirk is one of these guys that have just shot up the board mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I like doing best ball and I've been doing them for like the last four months and getting Christian Kirk in the ninth and tenth yeah. round and eighth round it was just you know, you get so much of your exposure that way. But Mike Williams, I think, is going to be a big touchdown guy this year, touchdown dependent guy, and that's going to be – he's going to have some major spike weeks because mm-hmm. of it. And I think he's kind of a similar player to yeah. Allen Robinson on a weekly basis. It's going to be a little bit tougher. I'm so best ball oriented that it's probably why I'm a little bit higher on Allen Robinson. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and one – speaking of touchdowns, the last guy on our list that we have a little bit of disagreement is is Mr. Todd Gurley himself. 40 touchdowns these last two seasons. Nobody gets more of them than him, but you're you're not – buying him at his cost right now i feel like there's a huge opportunity when he's falling around two right now what do you think uh todd Gurley scares the hell out of me uh, <laughs> in both in both directions this year yeah right because if you got todd Gurley round two and he's todd Gurley, you win it's yep. over you know put put the kids to bed don't need to do anything <laughs> it's it's all it's all it's all said and done um if you get playoff Todd Gurley then he's not worth a second round pick oh not even close you know yeah <laughs> right so and the knee arthritis is a very real thing mm-hmm. and you know they said they're definitely going to manage his workload they want to make sure they can maximize that contract value and I think that Henderson is going to take the pass catching role from him you know and I've seen the argument well if you if instead of the 80 percent of snaps if you dwindle it down to 65 percent you're still talking about an awesome fantasy player mm-hmm. and I think that's very legitimate if you do take the pass game work from him, you know that's that's certainly very valuable. Uh, that team's still going to score a lot of points. He still could absolutely get the red zone work. I think he's going to be closer to the sixty percent range, maybe even fifty five percent. Maybe ramp him up towards the end of the year in bigger bigger games. The workload management. Uh, when he falls to the end of round two, I don't mind taking a shot on him because you're swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. You know, and like like if you could go Barkley, Gurley. <laughs> Damian Williams, which is something I've done in drafts before. Yeah. You know, that the upside of that team, if everyone hits their ceiling, you know what I mean? It's absurd. Right. Uh, but for me, with Gurley, I just I just like to the, – the injury risk going into a season is something I'm always legitimately concerned about when there's, you know, there's a an injury that is – he's going to have to manage it all season long. Absolutely. Like arthritis just doesn't go away. No, I, I'm with you. I, I get the injury concerns. It's, it's you can't ignore them by any means. 
I'm just, of any back that I'm willing to kind of stomach it, it's got to be Todd Gurley, the only running back to repeat as the number one scorer in fantasy over the last 15 years. I see, you know, I definitely agree his role is going to be reduced, but where I don't see it going down is at the goal line, at the at the stripe in the red zone, where he's probably the best hammer in the league of one of the league's most explosive attacks. Certainly top three, probably going to be putting up 30-ish points a game yet again this season, and maybe, you know, Goff takes even another step with the continuity with the receivers. So I, I still see him as a great threat for 15 to, to 20 touchdowns. And every report in camp so far is he's looked like vintage girly. I think there was something that came out last night how he hit like 21 miles per hour or something, the fastest run he's had like in the last five or six years. McVay says he looks even better than he has before. Obviously, it's puff. You know, you never can rely too much on that. But when you, you hear that he's looking fully ready to go, him and his the team have a plan to manage it, him and his trainer, they've shed some weight and whatnot. They just, they're, they're very aware and they, they seem to be very proactive now. And it seemed like some reports emerge that he kind of played with it a lot of last year it almost flared up in week one and he still had the season he did so I don't know and he's he's great as a receiver too so yeah Henderson's gonna take some of that but that's why the Rams are so dangerous as they marry those run and pass games and first down it might look like a play action suddenly it's a girly screen how many times have we seen him score you know 50 yard touchdowns on those I can't imagine they just completely remove that receiving rug out of him either so I, I don't know just as you mentioned it's if if it's round two and he hits you're you're getting a league winner, kind of like Damian Williams in the the third too. If he hits a ceiling in round three, you're getting a season winner too. And I I'm a, a notorious season chase uh, ceiling chaser, so may, maybe that's part of it. But that's a guy that's kind of earned the right, in my opinion, to stomach the risk for at least this year. Could fall up my face, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think um, one big thing with Gurley too is that you know it's as more. What's the right word? <laughs> Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to say common players, you know, the more basic players, more season long, Gurley's going to start shooting up draft boards. Mm-hmm. His ADP is going to go. When it was more sharp guys and more guys were concerned about his injury, I think he was going a little bit later. Yeah. But once you get kind of the, the, the average Joe drafting, yeah, he's he, I think he's going to get closer to that first round. I, I can see Why, that. He totally. just did the mock draft uh, for the fantasy ma- football marathon and he went ninth overall. There you go. And I saw Yahoo. He fell to like round three. It's like, come on, Gurley in round three? Like, are you kidding me? And there's drafts now, like with Zeke's holdout and Gordon's holdout. You mentioned Damian Williams in the third. Imagine if you got like Zeke or Gordon in the third and then they show up and you have Gurley, Saquon, Zeke. Like, how could you How could you lose a game in fantasy? It's a, the ceiling. And Gordon's game. another one. There's right. a lot of question marks going on. Like Antonio Brown could go in the fourth round right now because he's got the issues with his feet. But yep. he says he's going to be ready for week one. And if he's fine... There's, I feel like this year with fantasy between Gurley's situation, um, Zeke's situation, Melvin Gordon's situation, um, you know, quite frankly, Damian Williams' snap share. Mm-hmm. Those kind of those guys are all four potential top backs in the, the NFL, and there there's so many question marks. It's <laughs> pretty difficult to answer some of them right now it's insane and i have to draft this sunday in like my biggest hometown league with the buddies i've been doing it for you know like 15 years now and it's just like you could either there's the blessing and the curse to it you could emerge with a complete monster because these guys are falling to where you're saying or they could just blow up in your face and you have nobodies for rounds three four and whatnot so i'm i'm a nervous wreck over here trying to get ready for this weekend with all these burning (laughs) questions but speaking of burning questions we're gonna fire you through the no huddle offense this is kind of if you feel like expanding on an answer you're welcome to but it's more so just what name comes to mind what round whatever it might be based on the question uh just kind of a rapid fire no huddle offense 
sense. You ready for that? Let's do it. All righty. So consensus top three overall right now seems to be Barkley, Kamaris, Christian McCaffrey. Who's going to go one overall in your opinion? Who deserves it? And who should go fourth right after them? Uh, Barkley, should, I think, should go one. It's a situation for me where, you know, I understand the concern about the offense, but the man's going to see like 10 targets a game. Mm-hmm. They have no receivers. It's And he's such a game breaker. And he's been great against eight men in the box that I'm not that concerned. Don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer, though. I think Kamara's snap share kind of being locked into 65%. He's historically efficient, but, you know, that always makes you a little bit nervous. I think David Johnson's fourth right there. Mm -hmm. They're actually going to run him outside the tackles. They'll play him in the slot. They'll use him in the pass game. They'll remember that he's David Johnson. It'll be super helpful. I, I, I can't wait. Oh, he's going to be such a great fit in the air raid. I'm fully with you at four there. The next question was to Gurley or not to Gurley. We've covered that one, I'd say. Uh, so the, we'll move on to number three. The top scoring wide receiver in 2019 will be dot, dot, dot. Odell Beckham. Ooh. I'll take Odell Beckham in the, the vertical offense of Todd Monken with uh, someone that can actually complete passes. I'm so fucking excited for Odell this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I love that answer right there. Who will be the next tight end to join the fantasy elite in 2019? I feel like O.J. Howard's a cop-out because he's tight end <laughs> four. Uh, but, I mean, his, he's he's every bit as good as any of those mm-hmm. top guys. He He's... he's such an elite athlete. Talking about a guy that's averaging 16.7 yards a catch yeah. in his career. Uh, to not give you a cop-out answer, I'll say Vance McDonald when he is um, healthy because that's his big question mark is going to be a top five tight end in points per game. All right. I like that one. Uh, so with the megastar holdouts going along, we kind of just hinted at them, but with, between Zeke and Melvin Gordon, do you think either pull that Lev Bell and sit out a healthy, if not the whole season? And where would you take him if you were drafting this weekend like me? Um, I, I don't think either sits out the full season. I think that's recency bias. It's not something that historically happens very often. Mm-hmm. And Melvin Gordon just came out the other day. Like, I really want to be right there for week one. I just want my contract. Yeah. Um, I'm cool with Zeke in round two and Gordon, who I think is the more likely guy to end up holding out longer uh, in round three. And I think that Gordon specifically is a guy where I really want to judge my team. You know, if if through two rounds I look at the board, I'm like, you know, my team is probably in seventh so far. Mm-hmm. Like Gordon's the guy that can put me in first because mm-hmm. at that point you're you're trying to play catch up, and I think he's the guy that that. Can do it if you're like the best team i might be like i'm not willing to necessarily take that risk gotcha everyone loves a good fantasy bargain and the bragging rights that come with it so by position quarterback running back receiver tight end who are your favorite picks to exceed their cost and break out this year uh lamar jackson his rushing upside is so absurd mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a guy that could rush for 10 touchdowns and a thousand yards this year that's absurd <laughs> to say out loud as a quarterback um at the running back position, Tony Pollard, though he's really shot up. I would love getting him at the end of drafts. Chase Edmonds is a similar guy in Justice Hill. So I'll give you three there. Mm-hmm. Uh, wide receivers, Curtis Samuel is everybody's. <laughs> I My bold take on Curtis Samuel is he finishes as a top 15 overall wide receiver. I love it. Um, and has a Tyreek Tyre Hill 2017-like season. Mm. A 4-3-1 speed, elite route runner. So you know I'm going to go above and beyond where, where he's kind of gone. Uh, tight end, I like Darren Waller late, though he's gotten hurt. I think Delaney Walker, you know, he's just fallen because of his injury, which makes sense. But they said he's fully healthy. He's been Mariota's go-to guy. Mm-hmm. And in a tight end position where 
quite frankly, four catches and 40 yards is probably good for a tight end one that week. I think he's such a good floor guy that you can get later in drafts. I love it. And it's funny, Barrett's shared a lot of picks with you guys. Good minds think alike again. I love to hear them. <laughs> um, both of you guys have me a little more sold on Lamar than I entered these last couple days. And then, then last night's run, I'm sure you saw that, where you like hurdled a guy and stiff-armed a guy, and you're like, this is, is this a running back or is this a quarterback? What is going on here? So... The thing is, that's what he does, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's it's a situation where it's kind of mind-boggling yeah. how many carries this guy's going to get. And no quarterback that's ever gotten 700 or more rushing yards has not finished as a top-five fantasy quarterback. And, yeah. So he can learn to throw. <laughs> I mean, he scored 16 or more points per game last year and basically didn't complete pass. Yeah. <laughs> so if he adds passing to that, it's he true. could be absurd. It is true. I got I to gotta get more on this train. I, I'm, I'm realizing it now. Uh, so conversely, though, everyone hates an overpriced player who busts and the shame that comes with it. So like last time, between positions, who do you think is going to bust and not be worth their cost in 2019? So I, I don't necessarily think these guys are going to bust, but at the quarterback position, I don't like taking early-round quarterbacks. With you. Like anything before round eight is something I'm pretty uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Mahomes found, falls to round five or six. Yeah. I'll grab him, but that's kind of it. Um, so that's just a strategy in general. It's the deepest position on the board. We're talking about Lamar Jackson's like quarterback 16 off the board. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's such a deep position. Yeah. And running back Rashad Penny. I and mean, we were just talking about Chris Carson. If they're going around apart or probably like now it's probably closer to 18 picks apart, give me Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. But Penny is too expensive of a handcuff uh and kill harry of the patriots i just you know there have been a lot of reports that him and tom brady haven't been on the same page he struggled with drops he struggles to separate i think quite frankly he's best as a big slot early on but julian edelman's not moving out of that slot Mm -mm. position and um you know it's just a situation where i don't buy rookie quarterbacks his price tag has fallen a lot recently Mm -hmm. uh which which makes him slightly more attractive but ultimately I, i don't like targeting rookie wide receivers and then this last one kind of makes me sad to say because he was one of the guys I was buying three months ago. But Mark Andrews, people have basically talked about Mark Andrews, and now everyone has just chased him all the way up the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's going right around Austin Hooper levels. And we're talking about a guy that's going to split time between Tim Boyle because the Ravens like him because mm-hmm. he can block and uh, Hayden Hurst. And, you know, I know he had some big plays and he's a really good athlete. He's a good receiver, but we don't expect the Ravens to be a high volume pass offense. And it's going to be a struggle week to week. And when you have to take him above guys like Delaney Walker or Greg Olson or, you know, just guys tied to better with better volume, better red zone upside and better quarterbacks, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm with there too. Uh, and last kind of fantasy centric one is from Kamara 2017, Connor last year. There's always seems to be that one like round 10 and beyond guy that just is a league winner. Do you have any favorite picks in 2019? Uh, it's probably some of the running backs I just gave you. Yep. You know, Tony Pollard was a, a guy that's not getting drafted. And now with the Zeke stuff, um, he's, he, he'll creep up in around 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14. I still think he's a buy there because even if Zeke comes back, they talked about they want to. They call him like Alvin Kamara. I mean, that's mm-hmm. absurd. We're talking about as the most efficient running back in NFL history. So <laughs> we get a little carried away. Yeah. Like every year, it's like, who's this year's Russell Wilson? There isn't one is the most likely answer. Yeah. <laughs> but but Tony Pollard is going to be used in the slot. He's going to be using that pass-catching back role. And I think the offense will be more explosive. Uh, Chase Edmonds is in a similar situation where if anything happens to David Johnson, he'll, he'll crush. Mm-hmm. But even with David Johnson, he should play 30% of the snaps. They said they're going to play him in slot some. They're going to line him up at running back with David Johnson in the slot. 
So I, I think he's going to get on the field and make some plays. And Justice Hill, I think, has a chance to end up being leading the uh, the Ravens' backfield at some point this year. He's an explosive athlete. Has looked awesome in the preseason. Meshes with Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson's talent so well. Mm-hmm. If you can put two guys with four four speed, run the zone read. You're gonna you're gonna have some home run plays. That guy, every single one of his touchdowns last year came from more than twenty yards out. That's absurd. <laughs> that is insane. And, <laughs> and like I, I think he's already the running back two on the team. Like Gus Edwards doesn't really concern me. And we're talking about a twenty nine year old Mark Ingram. It's gonna be the most run heavy team in the NFL. So even if Ingram's very involved, I think Hill could be the pass-catching back. This guy that beat Carson out his freshman year in college, uh, he goes in the 12th, 13th round. I think makes a lot of sense for the most run-heavy team in the NFL. Love all those picks. Uh, the last two here are more just culture-centric, but have you ever witnessed a, the – what's the funniest either last-place punishment or side bet you've either had to witness or hopefully not but been a part of yourself? I've never been a part of one myself. <laughs> Good. Uh, which is super nice. Yes. Um, I mean, the worst ones I've seen are the tattoo ones. Yeah. The one I've ever experienced was a place I was working at. They had one, and the guy came in last, and he had to stand in Times Square uh, with nothing but a tutu on and hold a <laughs> sign that said, I suck at fantasy football. And he had to be out there from 6 p.m. to midnight. Oh, jeez, um, prime time. <laughs> and, it was, and it was in the winter. And it was like, I was like, oh, Freezing no. cold, too. Oh, that is horrendous. Oh, my good God. Um, and then the last one here, whether it's, you know, terrible trade offers or bringing a girlfriend to a draft day or something, what do you think is the worst fantasy sin an owner can c- commit and just create bad karma for themselves? What's bad? What's the worst fantasy sin someone can? (laughs) I mean, I think the worst thing that will give you bad karma is when a guy has a bad game and you immediately take to Twitter and you start screaming at him and calling him names. So don't do that. Yes. In drafts, like don't take Patrick Mahomes one overall because he scored the most points last year. That's don't do that. Please don't do that. I know OJ Simpson said doing it is a good idea, but that should right there should tell you that you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Perfect. Elliot, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for the time. Can you just remind our listeners where they can uh, find and connect with you? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Elliot Chris, one L one T no H and Chris and all my work you can find on the quantedge.com. We got free trials going on right now. You know, we're covering preseason daily. You know, we're, we're really grinding. We got a bunch of new tools coming out this year. Brand new website, iOS app. You you can use the promo code POWERHOUR to save money if you're you're interested in uh, winning some money in DFS and sports betting this year. Awesome. Thanks again, Elliot. Really appreciate the time, man. Thank you. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.